All right. So we on another episode of Everything Cool. I like the vibe. All black, it's all moody and whatnot. Um, luxury. Luxury. <laughs> uh, and we here in the studio again. I really need to change this background <laughs> and things. But we 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 building the plane as we fly. But we have a special guest in the building. Let me let him introduce himself. Right to that it. camera. This camera, yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. Hey, everybody. Denzel Chase Johnson, formerly known as Chase Banks. And now, yeah, man, uh, it's time for me to get into the interview. Very first interview bomb, so. Anything to scare your children, that's the last thing we want to do. We don't want to scare anybody. The tourists come over to chill on the beach. But they don't come over the hill where we sleep. We got nightmares and they got fantasies. No sanity, it's just insanity. My mommy hoping nothing happens to me. Alright, Jace. Why well, I've I've known him for many years as Denzel. <laughs> and it's like I remember because you like four years like behind me, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, coming you coming up. I mean my boy, listen, this boy was driving car before I even had a permit, bro. <laughs> 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 Does everybody know that, bro? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, me and Denzel go way back. Um, it's it's been a privilege to see you as well as a lot of our colleagues grow into the people that you've become. But take us back. No, before we really get into the crux of things, there's a thing that we do on Everything Cool where we say we give our guests the opportunity to give us the beaming word phrase of saying other day, and we always give our guests. That opportunity. That's a very hard, hard fucking any, word. Any, like, behemoth word, free as a saying. Any, uh, any of them, like, you know, you could pick, choose, choose something, maybe you learned a while Okay, ago. okay, okay, yeah. okay. Well, I mean, you know, I think it's going to be relatively used throughout the rest of this, uh, this, uh, thing, I guess, in my life story and also with business and shit now. So, uh -huh. um, for everybody who know Bohemian, but people who don't know Bohemian, I said a couple of times, I can curse on Eric. It's the same for no. I mean, you try to curse, you try not to curse, so I don't have to bleep it out too much. You try to interweave <laughs> and you know use your words. But it start with a C and it start with a Y. Oh, you, you can say C. So like, yeah, the phrase for the day is carry your cunny, baby. Carry your cunny. Do we have C Y C? Carry your cunny. It's C Y C. I can't. I don't think we have um, had CYC in a minute. Yeah, carry your cunny. But what does carry your cunny mean? Bye. In my opinion, bro, mm. that's the equivalent to f you. Mm. Like you know, you guys need to go carry your cunny. You be in, you be in a p right now. You need to carry yourself from around me. I can like a p so yeah. carry your cunny. So because that word has been more. I say pop culture in the last 10, 15 years because it has been used when we behemoths have attacked people online, specifically yeah. at Twitter, going from 
I guess 2012, 2013. Yeah. When they, you know, either someone says something about the albums or using some symbols, and then it's just like this onslaught of CYC. And, you know, like, you know, I remember one time Wiz Khalifa had a concert over here, and he was like, the weed is boof, and the mamas is boof, and like they just light this page up. This was like 2012, 2013, and they just kept on going and going and going. It was no stop to where you just was like, you know, I had some good gas. <laughs> but yeah, but, you know, so if for anybody that didn't know, CYC, you don't want to hear that from Bahamas and you don't want to hear it in the abundance. But speaking about the Bahamas, tell us about, you know, some of your upbringing. Because obviously now that you're... You you know you turn yourself into a mogul, a businessman, doing big things, living a <laughs> affluent lifestyle. You know you come in there with the buffs. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about this, these humble beginnings, bro. Humble humble beginning, dog. Like um, it's been a, a real, 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 real thing where um, grew up inside a single household by my mom. Uh, shout out to Bridget Johnson, rest in peace, you know, RIP mom. Talk about that on a later part of the segment. But um, growing up, uh, pretty much uh, started off inside uh, struggling. Me and my mom, she used to work about like, you know, two or three jobs. She used to work in Atlantis, then she used to babysitting, and then she was doing like some other side job to try and make ends meet. Mm. Um, and she knew that she had bigger things planned for us and, you know, greater things planned for, planned for us. And uh, I can remember when I was growing up, like, we literally came from, you know, poor. Like, my mom was the real version of um, of the upbringing of, of why I actually lived. Yeah, like, the like, whole hustle. The whole try, hustle side. Because, yeah. like, um, back then, growing up, we never used to have a car, so, like, we used to actually have to walk everywhere, catch bus everywhere. And then... For, for, for the people who don't know, this man used to live in a very remote part of the island. Like, you, y'all didn't live like Adelaide. This like, like almost around Adelaide. Almost around Adelaide. Adelaide, like, where you car hopper for? But when you ask Adelaide, but you, you in the back of nowhere. I mean, they have developed in the back there a little bit yeah, more but now, like, but it's still. It's like on the, on the outskirts of Carl Harbor in between Adelaide. So it's like, like yeah. that little niche in between there. Um, for like the old time people, that's when Oasis restaurant used to be popping and people used to go to Oasis to get food, used to, yeah. you know, work in the back of life, and all that type of stuff. Mm. Like that's why we used to live in the back. But prior to that, like before we even, you know, did that, uh, me and my mom used to actually live inside an apartment, an apartment like right around on, um, on, uh, Soldier Road area around there. And it was like kind of ironic because when I went to high school, yeah. My best friend Jade, yeah. her grandmother was the landlord of our apartment. I didn't even know until I met her grandmother, um, like you know, a few years later, and I was like so so crazy. But um, yeah, we, we used to live in an apartment, and uh, you know, bills and everything I had to get paid, and uh, from there, mom went ahead and she you know got a house or she she got she built out a house or whatever, and we had to you know hustle, bro. Are you talking about walking in the rain? talking about you know watching a few happen and all of us to get where we need to go like we really did struggle but um it was cool you know hmm. so because i always used to wonder like how you used to get because you went to kings why you chose to go to kings i didn't choose to go to kings okay kings, why your mom kings, kings includes me kings includes us originally i supposed to go to fucking qc bro 
No, but still though, y'all live all the way Carl Harbor. Like, but you see, this is the thing, right? Right. And you know, we gotta go. We gotta go. We gotta still go back. It's like it's still like kind of like a, right. a, a, a a better understanding. Before I even went to Kingsway, I used to go to Temple Christian Primary School. You mm. know, and um, I used to actually go to Totland first. So okay. Totland used to be on Social Road because um, Totland used to be run by. Uh, a very good family friend parents okay. so that's why I used to go to Totland and um, from there bro like um, when that uh, you know when I, when that happened and I went to Temple Christian that's when mom really used to start you know feeling you know everything was like really starting to pop she was making money at Atlantis uh, she you know went ahead um, my dad used to start paying for my school fees and stuff like that Shout out to my dad also. And uh, things were a little bit more easier on her financially. And eventually mm. she was able to get a car. Okay. And, you know, we was able to, you know, work. So, like, basically when I started to go to Tamil Christian, like, up to grade three um, or grade two or three, yeah, I was living like a fucking prince. I was spoiled, bro. Like, okay. up to that point. Like, shit. I talked about um, my mom came up so good, like, we just taking trips to take trips, bro. I remember mm. a story where my mom picked me up from grade one, bro, and she picked me up at 12 o'clock. Mm. And I was like, yo, where we going? I see in my school uniform. She's like, we going to the airport? I was like, what do you mean going to the airport? He's like, we going away? And she's like, yeah. And she's like, why? And this like, Wednesday, bro. And she's like, because I feel like it. Mm. So like, you know, that's the type of lifestyle that I was used to where, for instance, it was so bad, like, my my spoiled my spoiled life was so bad, bro. Like, my mom used to buy like toys and games for all of us. Like, she buy me a game, she buy the rest of my cousins a game, and my cousin had a black Game Boy SP, hmm. and I was given a red one, and I break the red one because I wanted the black one. And my mom flew over to Walmart the next day and bought me a black Game Boy SP. Like that's how spoiled I was, bro. Okay. So, like, I came from. That uh, aspect. So you were you an only child? I, yeah, I de I okay. definitely was an only child. My mom had an adopted daughter, um, who was my sister. I was my mom's only child. My dad had a had a kid too, um, but for my mom, she was told by doctor that she clinically couldn't have kids. Okay. So like technically, I was a miracle baby. Okay. So you know, yeah, 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 yeah. that being the case, like you know, of course she wanted because all she wanted to do was have a kid. Hmm. So like you know, that was the most amazing thing. Um, for for her mm. so she you know don't touch my son he's a he's my prince that's my baby you know mm. that type of stuff but things did transition um later on uh after i passed grade three um i tell people like bro if my like because like my mom did actually got sick um after grade three and um, i was probably around the age of eight or nine and um I tell I tell people all the time if my mom never did get sick I probably wouldn't be in this nigga today I probably would have done being in jail or I probably would have done being on coke or whatever because like I could have get anything I wanted like the world was mine like she could have just give it to me it wasn't no such thing as a no so how you as a young child how did you process from going from having to without having bro it was hard hmm. it was hard to the point where like um. I didn't really understood at the point in time when I was eight or nine where um, I knew that my mom was sick, but I know things had things changed because my mom wasn't my like didn't like uh, wasn't the same anymore. Um, and growing up to that, that ha that 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 went through a lot. 
Um, and the reason why I said this is because uh, for people who don't really know the story or, or the story of me and my mom, my mom had something called um, neuropsychosis. Mm. It was a very rare nerve disorder um, that actually um, deteriorated the nerve endings inside the body. And apparently the nerve endings that got deteriorated was from her lower spine down. So pretty much like, you know, like how you are a baby, your nerves develop over time and you have to now start to walk and everything and all those type of stuff. Cause you know, certain nerve endings and stuff build up the strength inside your legs and all for your legs to start walking and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Her own deteriorated and collapsed and she had to learn how to walk all over again. So you could imagine now a lady who was already over the age of 40, walking all her life for 40 years, mm. now have to go and learn how to walk all over again. That was crazy. So mm. going from the age of eight or nine, I uh, was in and out of hospitals because like we were spending basically everything trying to figure out why this is going on. Yeah, like yeah. why she's sick. You're going, you're going through surgeries, checking, checking her brain, MRIs, all of it. And yeah, she tried to provide for me, but it was like, you know, medical bills started to pick up and stuff like that. And it was to a point where um, my way of living, like, changed drastically. We're talking about the age of eight or nine. I have to actually cook and clean after my mom. I have to actually, you know, bait her off. I have to actually not go outside and play because my mom need me. I'm my only kid. Um, trying to also make sure I keep up with school. And then even at school, like, Sometimes I couldn't afford lunch. Sometimes I wanted to wear like the, the most best clothes that I used to wear before, but we couldn't afford it anymore. So I had to wear hand-me-downs and stuff like that. So I used to get teased inside. From primary school, I used to also get teased where it's like, you know, people think. And at that point in time growing up, it's like, for me, I love, um, I love Haitian people um, and stuff. But like back then, if you, people would call you a Haitian if you poor or whatever and all that type of stuff. So they used to tease me and be like, oh, you're a Haitian, or you this, or you that, um, and stuff like that. And that played from a very young age on my self-confidence, on trying to actually fit in, on trying to make people, you know, like me or whatever and all that type of stuff. Like, throughout primary school, I think I went through the whole entire thing or went through the whole entire phase until I was inside grade nine, until I finally, like, you know, identified myself because, like, I used to even take a phone to school and let the phone ring inside school, inside primary school, just to make it look like I was a cool kid <laughs> so that people could be like, oh, yeah, you have a cell phone or whatever and all that type of uh, yeah, how come y'all don't take your cell phone? Because they know my mommy was sick. And mm. I was trying to, you know, oh, yeah, that's my mommy calling me. I got to make sure she's okay, she's sick, da 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 Because everybody knew that she was sick. Mm. But, like, that was, like, my my way of trying to show people, like, bro, dog, like, you know, mm. I got special privileges, X, Y, and Z. Like, I just wanted a cool kids because I got a cell phone and I got this, I got that. And, like, yeah, I mean, I went through the whole entire, you know, phase and cycle, bro. Wow, that's powerful. So... Fast forward into, because I was going to ask, like, so what was the turning point to where you started gaining self-confidence? I feel like for me, as a sheltered child, I didn't start coming. Like, it was this moment where I was 14. And I just realized, like, bro, whatever I tried to do, I won't be accepted by these people. So forget them, dog. I can just be me. And I don't care what they think. And I've been that way ever since that 14. And I feel like around 16 is when I realized what I wanted to do with my life. How, what was that process for you? I mean, bro, I think that process for me, honestly, was probably when I started to hit grade five, grade six, and I started playing basketball. Because mm -hmm. like, I was one of the tallest, like, 
12, 11, I already like five, eight, five, nine, or whatever like that. Like, you know, I they wanted me to play the center in basketball. I, I wanted to be a shooting guard, point guard type situation. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, for me, um, I became a basketball protege um, at a very early age. Um, when I was inside grade six, I think, I made the newspaper for scoring like triple double. So mm-hmm. like, not, was he like 22 points, 11 rebounds, like, uh, I think 10 steals or something like that and they had it on the newspaper and my dad like you know framed it up and all that and um, I was I used to get teased a bit but it's like can't tease him like that because he's like one of the best players at Temple Christian at this point in time mm. so after I ended up leaving there um, I kind of like you know had some form of self-identity and then people are like I also used to notice that um, my stuff changed where it was like I still used to, um, I still used to, you know, try and make myself look cool because honestly, sixth grade, fifth grade, bro, I used to have like a ton of money, bro. Like, cause my mom never used to tell me go pay bills or do this and do that. Yeah. So I used to always pretend like it was my money, and I show on people they're like. Three hundred, four hundred dollars. I buy this one lunch. I buy this one. This I buy this girl a lot. Mm. Whatever inside. So the people used to be like, but uh, you know, you sure you you want you you sure you you poor whatever and all that type of stuff. Mm. And um, it was it wasn't until I guess when I reached into Kingsway Academy, um, my my pivoting point was around grade eight or nine because mm. my first year in Kingsway, it was very um traumatic for me. Um, the right. reason why is because um, because you your first year would have been I was in probably grade eleven. Two thousand seven was my first year. Okay, no, 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 no. I would have been. Well, yeah, I'd have been in grade. Uh, two thousand seven going two thousand eight. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'd have been in grade ten. Yeah. Yeah. Man. So like at that point in time, um, when I first entered in Kingsway Academy, um, and I took all this, all the tests and everything like that, um. What happened was, uh, this like two weeks prior to, um, me, me and my mom, we were staying by my grandparents because my mom really needed like you know care and everything like that, and you know we were taking care of each other, and we never really wanted to, um, stay at my grandparents' house because like my grandparents, had, my grandmother currently like you know she had like her rules and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and my mom is her own mom and she wanted to be home. Yeah. But however, we had to abide and you know do what we had to do in order to you know make sure she was good, and um, my mom actually had. A series of seizures like two weeks before I um before I entered Kingsway so I witnessed firsthand the reality of me actually losing my mommy where it was like you know my aunt who was a nurse she was living upstairs she had to come downstairs and um uh do CPR on my mom and make sure she wasn't biting her, her tongue and make sure things were actually going okay and we had to call the ambulance it was like a lot of chaos and everything but reality started to sit in where I was like bro one day you can literally lose your mom. Mm. And when she went to the hospital, she went to doctor's hospital and they said, yo, um, your mom actually has swelling inside her brain because she has a tumor in her brain. Um, And apparently she always had a tumor in her brain, but they couldn't uh, turn it, they couldn't take it out because it was like very close to, I guess, a A, a nurse. Yeah, a nurse or something like that. So all they could have done was try and tie it down to decrease the, the straight the, the the growing of it or something like that mm. or whatever they did and uh, my mom was inside a medically induced coma for like my first 
month and a half of grade seven. Mm. So like even on my first day of school when me and my mom was actually best friend, I wanted to tell her about everything. Like my very, very first day of school, I couldn't because my mom was actually in the hospital, in doctor's hospital, in ICU, um, fighting for her life, you know? Mm. And uh, it was really like, you know, uh, hard for me to just go ahead and just continue to maneuver mm. um, after that because it's like, yo, yeah, she inside the hospital. People are telling me that she could be all right, but like I need to physically see my my old lady. Need to talk to her to know that she all right. If not, then nah, I really functioning. So when I started off in grade seven, yeah, I met a few people and I and I heard a few people and my grandparents just picked me up and stuff from school, and I had my dad and everything like that. But I still used to get bullied. Like I still used to get like constantly. Yeah, because you when you was like I always remember you as being quiet, and it was like what you describe it. I saw. Or whatever, like you were trying to look for acceptance. Yeah, I keep doing this, da da, da or whatever. And then in some regards, I was like, I understood because that's what I went through. And was yeah, so much bro, still like, going through. At it that was time. like yeah. it was like you know at that point in time, it was like for me, I was trying to I was trying to find find any in any possible way just to fit in, bro. Like just to fit find someone who can actually like you know help me with pain of what I dealing with internally or by myself yeah, because of what's going on in my family. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. going on in my family, like, you know, no one really understood exactly what I went through mm. in terms of, you know, me and my mom and growing up and how like, my life changed. But I tell everybody, like, the life that I live in now and how I how I operating, it's because I didn't have a chance to become a f- to be a kid, bro. Like, I didn't mm. have a chance to do the shit that I was going to so, do and so all that. So, did you ever, like, do therapy, like, up um, to this point? Up to this point, like, have you seen a therapist, gotten any mental? Because obviously, yeah, you might be doing well now, but yeah. these things be yeah. in the dark. I mean, mental. I yeah. and honestly, you know, to tell it, to tell everybody, mental health is a very important thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I have been doing um a bit of therapy. Um. Actually, uh, you know, after my mom passed away, I actually had to do therapy too because of that traumatic experience, and we could talk about that soon. Yeah. But like you know, I did you know went ahead and got some help, and um, I'm still actually you know keeping keeping my tabs in terms of my myself and self-growth. One thing that I actually now look at um, in my current self is being very self-aware of who I am, self-aware of what it is I went through. Um, I try my best not to dig too deep on my past mm. because, like, you know, it defined me, but I don't want to stay stuck there. Like, okay, I guess, you know, remember I came from this area, I came from that area. Mm. I am grateful for it, but, yeah, I don't try to stay too too. So when... Describe to me what it was like going, like, about to graduate from high school and then trying to figure out what you're going to do with the rest of your life. Well, bro, honestly, man, um, but we all, well, if you didn't know, like, guys, I was really involved into music, um, so music yeah, was, he was heavy with the Photoshop yeah. too. From Photoshop, one time. Photoshop yeah, yeah. and graphic design. I was always a creative growing up. That was my, my sense of escape. Like, that was my sense of, you know, my intern, internal therapy. So I used to be making music, mixing, Photoshop, photograph, photography, graphic design, still playing basketball and stuff. And um, honestly, when I graduated school, I wanted to become a music artist. Like mm-hmm. I either, either I want to be a music artist or I want to be a professional ball player, bro. Like honestly, society had my you know perception as, yo, 
I need to be rich so I can take care of my mommy because my mommy need to get better. And the only way I can get better is if I start making some, you know, some money, corn. Money now, so yeah. now I need to actually become either an NBA player or become a rap because that's who I see. Actually that's, a, that's money. a quick flip. You know, that's yeah. a quick flip. So yeah. it's like, yo, I was just good inside both of them. And I was like, okay, well, what are these got to give? Now, the problem, the problem was like, you know, when I graduated, you know, back in grade 11, um, when my mom died, it kind of switched for me because my okay, motivation, so she, she, my she, motivation you were still in high school when she transitioned. Yeah. Okay. So like, I thought that happened. No, no, no. My mom died you. when I was inside grade 11. My mom died actually 2013. Okay, yeah. Because yeah, so, I remember I was in college and yeah, I... Yeah, okay, I'll tell you, anniversary is coming up in 2013 yeah. when she had a and away. And, um, you know, people people who were inside my grade remember the story or they heard about it or they heard rumors of it. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, you know, yeah, um, Dan's mom died. But no one really knew the story except for my family, all right? Mm-hmm. And the reason why that happened was because... Yeah, a lot of people have been seeing me driving up and down the side of the car and all those things throughout high school because I was driving from grade nine, bro. I like, know. Because you, know, you, you, this nigga would talk about, bro, I can see you in the highway, bro. And that's like, nigga, you 14, I eat 17, and I just get a learner's for me. What the hell are you talking about? What are you, are you whipping? Yeah, right. Like, like, driving. Yeah. And um, a lot of people honestly thought, like, you know, shit, me and my mom, because I'll. Uh, uh, our political background and everything like we have some form of agreement with the government and stuff yeah. like that because because like yo you 12 13 and you driving a car full flag in school uniform or whatever but because like i said i had to look tall yeah. i had to look old police wasn't looking at me police wasn't caring about me like we never i never had a special license bro so like yeah. if i get caught that was it yeah. but thankfully i never got caught but um uh what happened was, um, yeah, I was driving up and down, and yeah, I had, you know, I think, honestly, when I was 13, 14, bro, I was living life like a 18, 19-year-old kid, bro. Like, I talking about back then, and this is the type of relationship that me and my mom actually had. Back when the bowling alley parties used to be be around, mm-hmm. and Copacabana parties used to be around, yeah. I wanted to go to those things. Yeah, and you, you, like, you used to be all up in the jet yeah. life for us. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I, wanted, I wanted to go to those things, right? Oh. But a lot of people, a lot of people didn't understand. Like you know, my mom know I also wanted to be a kid, and she tried her best to be to let me be a kid. Uh-huh. So in the early stages of me actually going to those photos and shit, she would come to the parties and actually just sit in the car until I done. Mm. And sometimes even fall asleep because she didn't want me to drive in the night and crash the car or whatever like that. Eventually, she started to get comfortable and allow me to drive or go whatever I wanted to go in the nighttime or whatever like that. But my mom used to actually literally sit in the car, watch me party, and then I drive back home and she would ask me if I had fun. Like sometimes, I, like it was a particular time when I went to the bowling alley mm. and then they had the alpha party at Copacabana. And she's like, oh, you want to go to Copacabana too? And I was like, yeah, if you, if you don't mind. And she's like, yeah, you can go. And I went to Copacabana, party, dance with a couple of girls, and then head back home. But like I said, that was the relationship me and my mom had because she understood how this whole entire thing affected my livelihood and it affected our livelihood. So she was making sure that I could still be a kid. Mm. But um, during that day, October 4th, um, the true story behind everything with my mom, because I heard a lot of crazy bro, when it comes to my success. But, but, but why? Well, you know, people have this perception where they say, Okay, like when a parent dies, if you have a life insurance, you flip that life insurance into something. Yeah. And 
I hate this notion of, and I just tell my parents this now, I don't want to get rich when you die. I won't get it right now while you're still alive. So, so people people be looking, looking, and waiting for the downfall of their parents for them to get a lick. And it's like, bro, I ain't waiting for that. This is, this is the thing, like, though. This is the thing. This is the crazy part about it, right? And, you know, I heard a lot when it comes to my life. Oh, you sacrifice your mommy, you sacrifice your daddy, you do this, you do that. Like, I heard a few things um, when it came to that. But, like, not even ironically, I guess, you know, be, like, you know, completely honest about it. Like, bro, my none of my parents had life insurance, bro. Oh, wow. Like, it wasn't no no money, no life insurance, nothing like that. It wasn't like, oh, well, hey, your mom left you a, a huge fortune, fortune and you actually got this or whatever and all that type of stuff. Even down to, like, you know, the way that my mom died, um, and this is why, like, I try to be a, in, impactful to people. Like, people do not know this story, and only a few of my best friends, like I said, family members do. But, like, I literally watched my mom die. Like, that's so, the most craziest but part. But what would they mean? You sacrifice You know, like, because, like, you know, like, some people be like, yo, like, like, you know, like, what you mean? Like, you know, you know what I'm like, but like, it's like, it's like, how you can say that about someone who's grieving, bro? Yeah, you know, like, like how you can say, like, I sacrifice, who wants, who wants both of their parents pass away in a smile, it's like five or six years? Like about, yeah, almost five to six years. Babe. Before you get married, have your own kids, you got to bury your two parents. Like, bro, ain't nobody going to do that just, oh, I don't do that because I want to. I, I mean, you'll be surprised what people will actually do for money and fame. No, that's, though, true, like, that's, true, that's true, that's true. But like, um, I tell people like, bro, um, the reason why I try to be as a good, motiva- good motivation is because, bro, I, I literally did come from the mud bro like i came from the mud especially after i already seen life give me a variety of nose like a lot of people would already tapped out by watching their mom died and i mean talking about your mom aside a hospital like you wait here i no, we talking about you wake up you and your mommy was having a conversation uh we had a little like for me i was rushing for an exam i think one important exam I had to go ahead and take and I wake up late because I went to bed late so I wake up like 9.30 and I'm supposed to then be to school from 9 o'clock mm. so I done had to ready rush and put on clothes and head down to Kingsway Academy real real quick and um, when I woke up my mom was there she was on the floor and I had to lift her up put her in the bed and I was like I need to hurry up bed I need to hurry up go I ain't thinking anything wrong and then I, all I know is so she, she on was the floor she hold on so, what you mean she was on the floor? There's something like she was, like, she was like in a bed, and I guess she may either roll on the floor or something like that, or she may roll out of the bed. Like, okay. you know, something may happen. Like, you know, sometimes she may, sometimes may roll out of bed or sleep or something oh, like so that. Oh, so this you know? was something that regularly happened then? Maybe. Like I said, I wasn't really paying okay. attention because I, I was late for school, bro. Mm. So, like, I tried to get to school. So, because I, I was already, like, you know, I already be sleeping in every single class, dog. Like, I, I at that point in time, bro, I honestly didn't care about school, dog. I remember it was a point in time where, um, and people could tell you when it was playing with me on the basketball team. I skipped school for the whole entire day. Did not come into school, but I drove my ass down there to go play the f- basketball game that we was playing against that. Mm. Like, I coming in, everybody wondering, where Denzel, where Denzel, where Denzel. I coming in, park at the elementary side of Kingsway Academy, running inside my, 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 my Saints uniform or whatever, in my slippers or whatever, 
literally like I like I literally inside college, right? And like you know, I I I living like I inside college or whatever like that. Come to skip school, then I went ahead and I actually you know played ball. That's the type of life. That's the type of life I, I was living, even though my grades was like you know a little bit decent. So let's get back to the story where it's like you know mm. to see my mom on that ground. I guess the fuck because honestly, I've been taking care of my mom for the last eight years, bro. Like I I already seen it all. Like okay, yo, let's go ahead and do what we have to do. Let me you know I need to hurry get ready. Um, and honestly, um, after after that um aspect. Uh, I took a shower and I meet her back on the ground again and I was like yo while you on the ground like you know I really got no time for this I gotta hurry up get to school like I gotta get my exam out of the way mm. so she was like oh um, she needs some water she can't breathe she must be choking she needs some water so you know me not really paying attention to the signs whatever's going on and being really like you know s- sensitive at that point in time um, I gave her the water and after I gave my mom the water and we was talk and like you know, we was talking and everything, I watched my mom take her last breath. Like I could have seen my mom take her last breath, like her soul like like left. So like at that point in time I looked at her, I see the you know, water dribbling out her mouth. I see like her eyes just you know like if you like, like to look at your eyes eyes get white. The the eyes just they are like you can see that there's no like you can like literally I can look at you and be like okay yo you conscious or whatever like that mm. but like when you look at somebody like who unconscious or whatever you can literally see that there's no one like really there like they just out they zoned out like if you ever seen someone who actually OD'd or they like really really high on some form of you yeah. know they like really out like so like I'm there like shaking my mom think like yo what what's going on whatever and all that. I had experience like that recently with a friend who collapsed and had a seizure in my yeah, hands. Yeah, like, you know? So, like, I shaking her, shaking her, I ain't getting no response. Mm. I, you know, lift her out the chair, put her on the ground, call the ambulance, uh, trying to do CPR, trying to do all these different things. And I thinking, bro, she's still breathing because... When when you in that state, I have my air to I have my air to her mouth. I was like, yo, this is like maybe some shallow breathing. I look in like I look in at everything on my mom and everything like that to make sure like you know at least I can see some form of movement or whatever like that. Or so by the time the ambulance came, uh, my uncle came. It was like yo, it's nothing she could, they could do. She dead. Like I did, just thinking yo, she's still alive. She just probably so, like, so when did you? How long it took for your uncles to come? Um, I think my uncle came maybe a solid 45 to an hour, bro. So I was inside there for like almost an hour, just trying to figure out exactly what's going on with my mom, bro. It wasn't like no no one came immediately. Wow. So like, that's why I was like, yo, you know, to actually watch your mom die and then you were actually there yeah. like an hour, just hoping like your mom's still alive and she can still make it through this shit and all that. That in itself is like, Yo, I need to be on alcohol, drugs, and everything for the rest of my life. Type situation. Yeah. So, I did you go back to school after right so, after this or whatever? Or what baby? happened was, um, my grandparents end up driving down and they end up picking me up. Uh, my uncle and I'm coming over, and um, I didn't went to school for like maybe a month, hmm. a month and a half. I was like missing out of school. Um, the people at Kingsway knew that my mother died, but I don't think they actually knew the magnitude of how it affected me. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, because 
You seen a dead body, and this your person, this the person that gave you life. Yeah. And you out, it ain't like you walk in the room and then they dead and you call the ambulance. You had to sit and there and then you ain't, you, you, you going through a lot of trauma and yeah. knowing, and at that time, this 2013, this when, I guess people just started this talking wasn't, about. This wasn't even 20, yeah, this was 2013, yeah, 2013. People really just getting a wave of mental health. Yeah. So it's like, you deal with a lot of trauma, and then obviously life expects you to just yeah. So back. at that point in time, like you know, um, I had like you know people telling me their condolences. You know, I was still a little bit Facebook famous at that time, bro. Like because of the photos and the music. So when I told people that my mom passed away or whatever and all that, like everybody was like, "Oh, me like, oh, if you need anything, you know, like when people, when, yeah, you know, they they trying to give yeah, you some you know, comfort. They, you know, I hear a few X, Y, and Z, etc. Um, and like you know, honestly, I think for that whole entire month while I was out, I didn't say a word. Like I didn't speak. That was when um my uh grandparents decided to take me to this psychologist up on Collins Avenue um to actually you know see if I needed therapy or anything like that because no, I was you need therapy. Yeah. You need therapy. <laughs> no man it was like it was like yo you 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 um I ain't talking I still eating I you know sheltered inside the room like my whole life went ahead I took another 180 not even 360 180 because remember I went from um being spoiled at the age of eight Mm. To then now being a caregiver and I can and have to be an adult after that. Um to, to the age eight and after the age eight being an adult, having having my child taken away from me and then at the age of sixteen I now saw the woman that brought me into this world, my best friend, guess went ahead and died in front of my face. Mm. And being like, you know, we guys was having a conversation type situation. So like that in itself was another one that he had to go ahead and face. And when I left from there, certain things that I was doing with my mom, I couldn't do with my grandparents, which was like, you know, I can't off the car and drive to school. I can't, like, you know, go out when I want to go out and be out all, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. I got to now do this. I got to now do that. I got to now be around my, my cousins all the time when I don't even want to be around them. Like, so what, why they didn't let you just stay at the house? How can I stay in the house if I'm underage, bro? I'm 16. I mean, adult supervision. Or yeah, whatever. yeah. At the, at the end of the day, like, um, I, my family wasn't like that, bro. Mm. So it wasn't ever like that type of situation. Um, but I would say, like, you know, uh, uh, for for the case of you know me going to the psychologist, they he asked me, you know, if it's anything wrong with me. It's like you know, I told him it wasn't really anything wrong. It's just a matter of uh, me You're dealing with trauma. Yeah, I was like, yo, I guess processing, bro. Like, I good and everything. I guess taking time out and guess process and understand a few things and all that. Now, when I did went back to Kingsway, yeah, I mean, people was happy to see me and everything. That was all good for a little minute. And then everybody guess went back to that same, you know, normal bullshit. I, I, I said, always be, <laughs> so that was like, that was that, you know? So, obviously, by the time, if this happened in grade 11, by the time you graduate, you probably ain't even know what you're going to do with your life. Um. So, after my mom passed away, like honestly, I wanted to I wanted to continue to make music, but like she was like my main motivating factor, bro. Mm. So I never really like I couldn't like really hit a good song for that. I couldn't really make a good song for that. I had like extreme writer's block, and it was like, yo, I don't really have a sense in doing this. Even when it came down to basketball, like my dedication and my drive actually was taken away from me because like the main person who I was doing it for ain't here anymore. So it's like, yo. Was the sense? Um, I wanted to uh, when I want when I went, finished up school. I still had 
you know, my graphic design and I was doing flyers and stuff. I wanted to do a marketing agency and stuff like that when I was about to graduate. But I still wanted to try and do music. I didn't want to give up on it. So I was actually going to either go to um, the Performing Arts of Australia. So I was actually going to fly down to Australia and, you know, do uh, film school mm-hmm. in, a, in, a, in Australia or Los Angeles. Um, I got accepted into Australia, Los Angeles Film School. Um, I also got accepted. And I was either going to go to Full Sail University because I had they had a good program and I actually wanted to learn um, public relations and mm. understand um, the music management aspect. Um, at that point in time, my family really didn't have much money. So, you know, we were trying to see if I get a scholarship by some good grace. Um, but uh, they, I know Miss Prophet, the guidance counselor, and Miss Arnett, um, I was, you know, told to apply to UB because everybody had to apply to UB at Kingsway. Yeah. You know, so, so you just so yeah. I went ahead and I did um she was telling me to public administration. She's like, Oh, public administration is just like public relations and I was like, Okay, whatever. Cause I you should just do my ask No, But I was in, I was inside I was inside high school, so I didn't really know what the public administration was all I know was both of them had public inside of it and I was like, All right, <laughs> if that if if the adults say that that's the seal that's what I want to do inside, you know, full sale and all this other Then cool, I'll do it. Yeah. So, um, uh, that happened. And honestly, I didn't really feel like going to college, bro. Like, it wasn't really something that I wanted to do. It was something that my family forced on me. So, it wasn't like... So, oh, did you ever even finish or, or even went? I, I, I went, but I never finished. I mean, um, now I'm actually going to go ahead and probably finish. Cause I, I, I stopped, actually, when I only had, like, two classes left, bro. No. Um, I stopped and I was like, "Yo, fuck it, I don't need to do this." Because my life was already like starting to switch up and everything like that. So okay, so break down the college years, because like, what was what you was doing between after high school and to the point where you was like, I guess that's twenty thirteen. I'll say up until twenty eighteen, twenty fourteen to twenty eighteen, bro. Um, went to college. So, uh, honestly. I actually had a full ride scholarship to UB. Okay. Yeah, I got a full ride scholarship because I actually, um, believe it or not, people may look at me, may, may look at me, but I am, I, I don't even want to toot my own horn, but I'm actually very smart. Like I actually took about nine BGCSEs and I passed all of them with A's and one B. Hmm. Like even though I and I did it effort, I didn't study for them. I guess did it right and. When they saw that, they granted me this, um... The bursary. The bursary. Hey. Or whatever like that. So, when I go on the bursary, um, I went to UB. Um, college time in UB was a little bit different because, like, bro, you you in college, I have my car and everything like that. And um, it's one big high school type. Yeah, one big high school type, type you know, yeah. thing. But it was cool. I mean, first year, I actually was really focused on school because I really wanted to get shit, you know, done. And um, that's when I really found out what public administration was. And I immediately went on a transfer from public administration to marketing because I was like, bro, uh-uh, this ain't what I want to do. I don't want to do anything with no government or anything. Or socialism or <laughs> I was like Wait, what like, like yo y'all lie to me bro so they was like okay I was like yo what is the closest to public relations here inside UB and they was like oh marketing and I was like okay Wait, cool like co- bro if you just go on my ass come you like learn all them skills bro that is true but right. I never knew you know right. so like cause like, you can't do PR until you understand the basis of how media works yeah and then you would you know build up over time not just in college but on the job experience to get yeah. to that point. 
So like yeah, so like that was you know the whole entire thing and um inside you know Yubi, I went ahead and I started to do um my marketing and my graphics. I was really into that. Um, people was paying me to do graphics. Um, I uh, was put onto a very early project, which was uh, Mr. Shippet, um, which uh, was um, uh, run by my uh, god sister. She needed help. So like, actually, that's what you was working at. That's what we bump into each other during the pandemic. Now that you mentioned that, yeah, but that was like after. That was like twenty. That's twenty 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 twenty. Yeah, because I started. Yeah, anyway. I mean. I ain't gonna say what I gotta say about <laughs> Yeah, Mr. but I be able to miss a shipper from twenty fifteen. Wow. Twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen, you know, on and off the scenes of Mr. Shippet. But mm. you know, that's a you know, not a talk for another day being, you know, going into yeah. Because I wanna I got a bone to pick with y'all and I met the person that I had the bone to pick and they stopped talking to me because I had a bone to pick. I Mr. Shippet Mr. Shippet is one of the best shipping companies out there, in my opinion. Um but you know, I'll talk about that later. Yeah, bro. I can get into why anyway. But like, yeah. yeah. So you know, college years, bro. It was amazing. Um, I think around college time, that's when I was really also trying to find like, uh, still trying to find my community and cry because like after like after Kingsway, bro, and after high school, dog, I made a promise to myself that I was never gonna. With all of no one there at Kingsway, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like, like yo, that's no, why. Like that's why my life is so. So like I don't even care when we have no, but I mean, but to be honest, when you in high school, you probably keep in contact with like one or two people, bro. You you no, could go. I can be honest with you right now. No, bro. I'm saying I talk about just average. Yeah, like the average person, you probably only keep in contact regularly with like one or two people. You could go graduate with a thousand people. Yeah, you probably only keep but in contact. I, with one I, two. I I'll be honest with you. Class of 2014 Kingsway Academy. They see me inside lines, and I don't talk to nobody, dog. I even have family members who was my cousin, and I still don't even talk to them, bro. Like, <laughs> like, like I be an honest dog. Like, uh, like honestly, like those people there, Kingsway Academy. I mean, I guess I don't know if it was just my class or whatever and all that, but no. But I like when my class our reunion was twenty twenty, and actually I should ask Jamal if they doing a reunion. He probably I am talking about it, but. I know it was hard for my grade to get back together. And it's just like, you know, you realize people, I mean, just overall, people don't really change, you know. I know. That people, and I, me and you had this conversation two years ago when I was like, bro, like, relatively, most people peak in high school. If they don't peak in high school, they peak in college. But after like 22, 23, that's it for them. Yeah. They're like, that's, they're pinnacle. They don't grow no more. So, yeah. like, that's them. So, when you hit your 30s, you can be like, why this person still getting on? Yeah, they yeah, still... Like, they're, they're, they're it's like, it's yeah. like, even, like... And the thing is, like, you know, I kind of actually noticed, like, especially with that class, you know, and, like, honestly, like, I really don't give Like, I really don't. Um, uh, the, like, let me correct myself. The only two people who I talk to is my best friends from, you know, 20, you know... uh 2014 uh, BK and Brittany shouted to them like they the real ones but like um, I noticed that they actually be like they have like this constant bully type of spirit bro like they do like I'm fucking out of school out of college living my own life living my own peace somehow um, one how, how old are you? Like 26 now bro okay wait until they get 30 and people yeah. start getting married and but it's the thing right yeah. 
like I think it was either a year or two years ago or something, bro. Like uh-huh. fuck, they end up. I think they have their own little clique or something like that. So like they end up asking me, you know, for my number because um, they wanted something, bro. And I know what the fuck they wanted, dog. So I guess getting my number, they add me to this group, and like I guess it was like, oh, it's time to clown Denzel Day. Like I'm like, bro, y'all have. All this time on your hands, I actually just go inside a WhatsApp group and start talking BS or accents about this, accents about that. And they like, you know, literally shot it off. What did I tell what I told you two years ago about this? I say, bro, Wait. you just worry about but what people do and the most, man, shut up, bro. But that's like, the most that's the most fucking stupidest that was the like the most fucking stupidest shit. And like, I was like, you know what? It's human beings though. Yeah, I say, you know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna guess I like I, I guess watch everything or whatever like that and I guess Exit over the group. I was like, bro, if that's what y'all have to, to do on y'all hands, bro, then bye. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when y'all really, you know, ready to talk about some shit or really ready to talk about making some money or really ready to talk about that makes sense, then maybe you could contact me and maybe my assistant mm-hmm. could go ahead now and probably see if we could fit a time frame for you or whatever like that. Mm-hmm. But like, bro, I really don't, don't with specifically the class of 2014. Like, Y'all, y'all on y'all on, bro. I straight. Okay, so did you ever find your tribe? Um, because that's bro, I think that's always important to know. Like, honestly, I'll be honest with you, man. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say I found my tribe. I just created my own fucking tribe. That's still finding your tribe. You have to find the members. Yeah, I like you know yeah. I, I I I found my tribe by creating my own. Mm. You know, like um. You know, relatively, like, you know, where I'm at now and the spaces that I'm in, the people that I'm impacting, the people that I'm meeting, like, bro, yeah, I, I, I am actually, like, you know, seeing more outside of Bahamas, more outside of what just Nassau is, or more outside of what's, you know, in this bubble of, um, I guess, say, in my opinion, is the, we call it the black the black crowd syndrome, but I guess think it's... It's uh, not a black crowd. Yeah, like, I guess think it's like, you know, the... It's the environment, bro. Yeah, the, 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 the... the 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 environmental cognition of what people now have inside the Bahamas, like the I wouldn't m- say necessarily specific, specifically the Bahamas. Like I say, crabs ain't supposed to be in a bar. Yeah, but so it's the system that have people thinking this way, and that's yeah. why you have to get out the the way yeah. and be you know do your. And I feel as if like you know looking at it and seeing everything now, it's like bro, I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for the things that's actually happening, um, but like you know. After, you know, we went to Mr. Shippet and um, I, I was working there for a while, I was doing my own thing and I was figuring out, figuring out life on my own. Um, and that's when um, I started bumping into the creating aspect. But it was like very funny too. Like I was really in my, in my, in my skin at that point in time, bro. Like mm-hmm. I was um, still working on Mr. Shippet, moving around, still helping Mr. Shippet what they had to go ahead and get done. At one point, at one point in time, because of the way that I was actually working there, people used to actually thought I was the owner of Mr. Shippet, because like everywhere I used to go, I had this Mr. Shippet shirt on, and like I, I guess coming off of work, like so, even when I was living with my grandparents, I sometimes put it in like so. Uh, so even up until the pandemic, you never moved back home. Well. So your house with your mom? Um, no. So what I what I did was um, with that I actually have that you know rented out, mm. made that into a passive asset. Mm. So so like for me, I decided to so you know it don't even make no sense me actually going there. Let, let me let that go ahead and guess make me extra money because you never know when I you when you would need extra money. Mm. So I just turned that that specific property into a rental aspect, and I made sure I found it a 
good good um a good good uh tenant hmm. that always always pay so let's, let's let's talk about your introduction to financial literacy yeah so like which year around what time you started thinking okay i need to start these different entities in order to diversify my income and have multiple streams of income because um, i remember you was i think the first thing you hit me with was the clothing line at one yeah. point in time like you know you know you yeah. know i've always been a creator bro hmm. like that's that, that was me so I always know that I actually had to open up something. I, I never, I, I liked working, but I guess never like working for people, bro. Because yeah. I always wanted to say things on my own. I always wanted to move on my own thing. And um, when I started to really understand financial literacy was probably back in 2016. Mm, um, okay. You know, two years inside college, understanding that I'm making like, you know, maybe... 200 $300 from flyers and stuff like that. And I was like, I can make this into even better. I could, you know, flip this into other things. I just started going on YouTube, starting to figure out what actually would work, what actually wouldn't work. Mm. Um, the reason why I was actually doing um, the clothing line was because that was supposed to be a dropshipping drop store. Mm. The dropshipping store was actually supposed to be saved the Tatas, right? And the reason why was that because I was, you know, a tribute to my grandmother because my grandmother had breast cancer. And I was like, yo, every cancer, um, month or breast cancer awareness month save the tatas to come out we'll you know send us to a global scale like this and then um we'll be making a cash a, a, a shitload of money from the dropshipping services of people who actually want to buy like cancer products or whatever like that because mm -hmm. i had like specifically on there um a certain amount of money is going to be donated to a cancer society um of a, like you know of a certain country or world or whatever like that mm -hmm. eventually that morphed into something else into something else and that's when I, I came up with Brass since 96. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yo, um, I don't want to have a drug shipping, so I want to have a private label. I want to have my own shit. I want to create my own stuff. So that's when I came up with the clothing line. I came up with the, the sneakers, came up with the jewelry. Um, and when I actually, you know, moved from Mr. Ship It, I got a job at YSN of Versace. And when I got discovered why I selling Versace. Over here or in the States? Over here. Okay. So I got discovered why I selling Versace probably 2018, 2019. Okay. COVID came around like what? I think 2021. No, 2020, March. 20, 2020, March. Yeah. So around 2018 was when I actually came into um, either 2018 or, or early 2019 is when I came into um, uh, why I selling Versace. And I started to learn about high-end clothing, luxury clothing. Mm. And that's what really helped me skyrocket my perception and understand um, different aspects of how the clothes were. Because with me, I was working on the sales, the sales aspect of it. And I had to study all the products and study why these things were made a certain way, study the fashion looks, the books and all those type of stuff. And I utilized that information and also the people who I was actually beating at that job to expand my network. Because at that point in time now, there was a lot of people that was coming in from China, coming in from uh, Poland, Prague, everything like that. And that's when um, I think that same year of 2019 is when I actually had my clothing line actually sign its first deal in cryptocurrency um, with this, uh, uh, co this company in Prague. I think their stuff was called Plankton or something like that, mm -hmm. right? And they had Snoop Dogg and all these other people, you know, a part of their endeavors. 
and they wanted me to do a collaboration with them where I said, hey, I was going to make my e-commerce store the e-commerce store that actually accepts your cryptocurrency and we would actually utilize your community of people that you actually have and they would actually be paying me inside the cryptocurrency and I would have been providing you guys with a certain a certain um, aspect of it because we would like to now utilize the that, that term of cryptocurrency even more. Bef prior to that, I was already into trading. So I already understood trading and I already understood crypto to a certain extent. And I was like, my gateway, I actually turned my e-commerce store into a crypto line. Mm. So we did like our collaboration. I had to end up flying over to, um, flying over to uh, Florida, flew over to Florida, open up my um, bike accounts, open up everything that needed to be opened up, get everything properly on paper. So how you got that process? Like, are you part American or? Yeah, I have, I, I'm American Bahamian. So, like, for okay. me, um, the main thing for me, what I actually did was I studied, and I'm still studying um, to this day, um, the full capabilities of what it is to be an American and a Bahamian. What I can truly do as a Bahamian, what I can truly do as American. Understanding mm. the financial sector, understanding what I can actually be granted, what I can actually utilize to my leverage. Understanding where can I get tax and where can I not get tax. How to actually take money away from this area and put it to that area. And then also how to use both of those nationalities to my full leverage. Mm. So I took the time out to just really to really study what it is that I really possess. A lot of people, especially people who are Bahamians, you guys do not take the time out to fully understand what it is to have a Bohemian passport. You are so fixated on, hey, yeah, you're Bohemian during independence, but if you only know the power that you possess as a Bohemian and why you see a lot of foreigners actually come inside this country, you would definitely be, you know, putting some more, some more actions behind your nationality, in my opinion. Break it down, bro, because I love that you say that, and I just had this conversation with a friend when I was in D.C. last weekend about, because they was like, you know, I never want to come back to the Bahamas, and I was like, I understand your disdain for the place, but I like to be global. I like to have this and have that over there, too. I never cutting off nothing for me, because I'm like, I keep on seeing these foreign people. They come in here for a reason, and I gotta figure out why they come in here. Because what, what they seeing in this, what I don't see, and I, th and what you just said sort of speaks to that. It's like, okay, if you think business, all right, they're taking advantage of something, and I just saying, okay, I need to run away because I think there's a better opportunity see, here where I could just have it all. The thing is, is that know? um, we don't actually study our financial laws because we're not taught to actually learn the financial laws of the Bahamas and we're not taught to actually understand how to leverage our um, nationality and our power. Uh, the reason why I ended up leaving Bahamas to go to America was because I had an opportunity. Um, this was before, you know, the money came in, before all the excessive wealth came in and all that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I left Bahamas with a one-way ticket and a $1,000. That's all I had to my name. And I, you know, took a gamble and I went over and the reason why I did that was because even though um, I was a U.S. citizen I never once ever utilized my U.S. citizenship and I talking about I didn't even know what my social security number was I didn't get that until I was like 18 or 19 mm -hmm. I didn't get my U.S. passport until I was 18 or 19 all I had was I had a birth certificate I had a passport when I was younger but my mom lost it mm -hmm. But she didn't went through the process of getting me a new passport. Mm. Until I was 18 or 19, that's when I had to go ahead and do that myself because my mom was already dead. Um, and my dad couldn't do it. So, like, you know, when I got of age, I went ahead and I did it. So I had to go ahead and spend, like, about $200 to go get my birth certificate sent down here. I went to the U.S. Embassy, 
got my um, passport, got my social security. And technically, I could have actually just left and went to America. But at that point in time, I didn't really have living arrangements, all and stuff like that. So when that opportunity opportunity came, I jumped on it because it gave me it gave me a chance to actually go out there and explore the world and actually get my foot wet. Sometimes, guys, you actually just need to get your foot inside the door. That's all you fucking need. You don't need to have the most, you know, everything don't have to be perfect. Because once you're in there and you have a plan, you know how to now move and, you know, make changes and stuff like that. So when I was there and I started to understand my my strengths as an American, I also started to say, you know what, this is cool. Let me start looking as, as, as a Bohemian, as a Bohemian citizen. I'll be looking at the Bahamas. The real reason why um, you have foreigners who come here is because even inside America, which is a first world country, and they can actually make a ton of money or whatever like that. You're in Bahamas. Bahamas is like the Caribbean of Swiss, Switzerland. Mm. That's why at some point in time, you had the number one offshore banks. But because we're so close and have a tight relationship with the United States, we, they had to change a couple of things around. So that's why you saw a lot of people who had offshore banks pull out and went down to the Caymans. And mm. that's why our economy is actually moving the way it is because they end up signing some form of bill that actually allowed people not to, you know, have their money protected in the Bahamas anymore and the United States can still go ahead and take their money out. But for me specifically, um, because I actually have uh, a bohemian, um, you know, citizenship and stuff like that, uh, I look in terms of what all areas I can actually invest in and build up because it's still a developing country. Hmm. This is why China, and if you study the re the reason why China and these Ge other foreign yeah, geopolitics, yeah, yeah. study geopolitics, you will start to see that um, most of these guys are thinking mostly twenty five to thirty years ahead of time. Mm -hmm. They already know the Bahamas is yeah, sun, sun and sea. Yeah, they understand the cost of living is actually great. Yeah, they understand that this is the number one tourist destination. But what they're actually trying to do is they're trying to actually catch everything early because in the next thirty years, it's gonna definitely be like you know almost like a first world country, bro. Um, in terms of how much people are coming in, how much money is being passed through here. Um, even ironically, you know, back then, uh, pirate times, bro. People used to come through the Bahamas yeah, to bring... There's a lot of different ports. Yeah, to come through the Bahamas to mm -hmm. actually go ahead and send things to America. So even now, when it comes to creating, like, you know, salt, aragonite, um, all these different type of minerals and stuff like that, it still have to come through our Bahamian port. If it's coming from the Eastern world or so, to get down to the American side or get down to Canada side. So a lot of people now are trying to, you know, get their feet um, intact, whereas they know that this nation is developing out. Um, more and more and more as it stands. That's why you're seeing lines and everything getting eaten up right now. Yeah. That's why you're seeing people with beachfront beach areas getting up, eaten up right now. If you really notice it, Nassau is getting more clustered and Nassau is getting yeah. more um, smaller because of the developing. Yeah, and you see, you you greater see in our west, they're making more higher rises. Yeah. Because you got to start building up. Yeah, so yeah. like, so like you know, most of these are uh, foreign countries already already know, and the thing is now is that China already knew that that they, what they was doing from from the break. Yeah, that's why like, they started, you know, you know, putting feet down here. In the yeah, like 2000s. China already know what they was doing from the break. Yeah. Now think about how many um how many foreigners already came into this country and already like you know set up shops, shut up this, shut up Clean. that, and all that type of stuff. You might like look at it now, right? The cruise port. That's actually just recently built. This was not a 
two year in the making process. No, I know. This is about about a ten to fifteen year process that they've been trying to bid on and trying to get everything together down back. Now remember mm. now that most I, of these whatever countries. Whatever I told you, I know the true story behind and how they got that bid. Yeah, because I was there. But <laughs> like I tell, like yeah. I tell people, like bro, it was some. It was other people bidding, but because they had certain help by certain parties here. Yeah. That's how they get the bid. Yeah, but it's like even so with that, like those you know people inside those areas and those forces, they already know what's you know what's the major influential stuff that's happening to the country. And so now they're actually trying to get their feet and they're setting down park mm. for the next three to five years. For me, the reason why I was able to actually get to the point where I was able to get to is because I don't talk a lot. I listen and I get into the rooms and I just sit down and I listen. Hmm. That's the best way for me to go ahead and now know how to move. So, like, for me, I know that, okay, cool, this cruise port is now bringing in X amount of Z amount of people per Over year. Over the next 25 years. X, Y, and Z, et cetera. Okay, cool. You know what I'm going to go ahead and do? Uh, let me head over to the family office. Let me head over to the rest of my buddies. Let me call the rest of my guys in. Let me over leverage my education platform. Let's get in about another uh, 15 to $20 million real quick. Let's buy this spot here on downtown. I need to buy this spot here down by uh, Sandy Port. I need to get this spot here. Um, probably relatively more uh, in the in the uh, western and also far eastern side to explain the airbnbs okay now we need to go ahead and line off for me personally i want to actually open up a next crypto exchange the reason why i was opening up a next crypto exchange is because ftx was onto something here and they did had something amazing here it's just that the head of their administration fucked the whole entire thing up mm -hmm. but our laws and our financial system laws were the only caribbean island inside the but the only caribbean mm -hmm. island inside this whole entire trading industry that can allow us to open up like that crypto exchange and you got a pair and that's why FTX went from Japan and came here if it, it wasn't a coincidence that they left Japan and came here hmm. they studied all of our our securities they studied which countries would be the best with the least amount of money how much it would cost what is the what is the um, problems that we have to now go ahead and buy something to go ahead and actually open up an exchange like this or to do this or to do that and they chose Bahamas because Bahamas was the best fit. And, you know, location, location, location. Yeah, location, location, location. But now it's still a developing, it's still a developing country. It's still a, a developing nation. So now they know the nature. They know the, the politics. They know who all they got to talk to. And in a sense, I would say every government is, is saying that, hey, it's all about jobs, jobs, jobs. And all we bring more jobs to the country. But honestly, yeah. I love the fact that we bring more jobs in the country, but there one thing that I notice is that the consumption rate inside the Bahamas is not as high. We don't have a very high consumption rate. As it pertains to what exactly? Um, what I mean as it pertains to that is that Bahamas is actually a uh, you know importing nation. We import a lot. Mm. We like really import a lot. Eighty five percent. So most of the things that we consume is what outside mm. of our country, not inside. The people who are actually making the most money are the people who are outside mm. of the country, not inside. Which is why for me on a production level, I decided to say, you know what? I need to go ahead and have businesses that's outside of this country. I don't need to actually have my face on it. I don't need to actually show this and show that on it. Because now when it's advertised, when it's actually marketed the proper way and it's actually shown this way, people are going to do what? From this area, from our culture standpoint, 
We're not taught to actually support our own businesses. We're not taught to actually go ahead and spend on this. We're not taught to say, you know what, hey, we can maybe go ahead and start opening up factories and start manufacturing and see if we can get things out of our country. All we're, th- all we're taught is, hey, I see America making this. I see China making this. I see Sheen doing this. I see they doing that. Let me buy, let me buy, let me buy, let me buy. Even now to entrepreneurs, like, yeah, they will look for a supplier and everything like that. And this is why you see things are like about almost 200 to 300% up inside prices. Because by the time you actually buy these clothes and everything like that from Sheen, right? I shout out to all the, all the female entrepreneurs, but y'all be killing people when y'all buy Sheen for $5 and charging people $45. Y'all know you're wrong for that. <laughs> but anyway, um, you would have, you know, look at that. They would have went ahead and they bought it for $5 or whatever like that. Let's just say, you know, they got it for $5. Um, but to ship it and bring it in and declare it, that may cost them $25. Because remember, we are an importing nation. We don't have anything here to sell or export out of. Hmm. So now our, our, our cost to get something to, re, to resell is much more, especially due to inflation of these other countries, especially due to actually trying to get them to this country here. And now we're trying to make other people go ahead and buy and consume. Which is why you will probably see it for, if for some for, for some instance, people who actually make things, and they make things that's you know, great, they will probably make more money than people who actually go out and get it. That's why you see, for instance, most of the um, majority of like the real people who are the wealthier, they're either you know people who are actually making uh, like for instance uh. I think it's either Nassau aluminum fencing or something like that up on uh, the hill. They have their own factory where they make like, their own fences and stuff like that, etc. Yeah. Mm. Um, you have, uh, for instance, at one point in time, you know, the t-shirt industry and the straw making industry was really booming at that point in time because, yo, they was making everything here. Mm. The cost and everything wasn't really that much. All it took for them was time. So, like, basically, if they was to now put in, like, maybe, like, four or five hours in, they probably made a few hats or a few shirts or whatever like that or so. They would have came out with a, a starting amount of money. That's why you see people who actually, you know, doing independence. Some people doing independence actually make a ton of money because they making it or the supplier who they have is very, very cheap. For instance, Bahari and I'm going ahead and stuff from China. You know, they get that stuff from China, but they actually grew that stuff up. And fun fact on how I know how Bahari is because um I I, I knew the people who, you know, are involved with it. But they went ahead and they actually went to China and um uh they found the right suppliers. They found the right way to ship it. They found a right. They did their full due diligence research on how to get the most, the most by spending the, the least. Now you see independence come. They first at one point in time was only doing independence, but now you see Bahari is now trying to get themselves to a luxury level scale. I think they already did. No. They, they did that like three, four years ago. Um, they to have, a certain extent. They have to a certain extent, but now, um, it's moving even. It's moving even. To a greater scale, they mm. understand that okay, cool. They already test it out. Um, but this is one thing that you know, even uh, me and a few of my buddies, we, we'll do, or even I myself would do. Anything that I do in Nassau, or you know, come in Nassau, is child's play. It's an experiment for me, and it's not really like you know, um, it's not really a bad thing that you know, not saying hey, I ain't trying to you know help people here or whatever like that. It's an experiment for me because honestly. Nassau population is only like 
hundred half half a million yeah you know, couple couple hundred thousand or whatever like that yeah. whereas you know when it comes to where i'm trying to go panama colombia america they got millions mm. once i really understand the aspect of what makes things tick or whatever from the behemoth aspect i need to get my foot inside the millions because I, the millions of people because all i need is maybe one percent or two percent steady of that population to make it grow which is not hard because now if I'm trying to get, let's just say for instance, 1% of 500,000, that's maybe only 5,000 people. And the churn rate of those 5,000 people may not even be the best that I wanted to actually be. Hence why I really love the e-com space and hence why I really love the internet because now I'm dealing with billions of people. So all I don't, I don't need everybody. I don't even need 1% of a billion people. I could get 0.075 or 0.00021% I still be good based on the price point that I have. Mm. This is so powerful. Denzel, you said I said a mouthful. So, what's next for you, my brother? Like, um, like what you got planned? Are you going to close out 2023 to go into 2024? I mean, 2023 is already done, bro. Yeah. Like, I That's why I say, are you going to close it out? It. Um, <laughs> like, you know. I mean, for me, honestly, like, you know, uh, in the creating space, I'm, I'm relatively, you know, growing, growing every day. Um, I saw that uh, you had an 800% return on investment in three months. Actually, before you close, <laughs> tell me about the real, like, when did you flip your mom's house into, like, a rental property? That happened. Um, thankful for my grandmother, because she, she, you know, do that. But that happened back when I was, like, probably... 18, 19. Okay, so this happened early on before? This like, happened early on when my, my grandmother was in charge of that. And then she, you know, handled that and then she gave it over to me. Uh, my grandmother is, like, one of the most um, business persons ever. Like, she stayed her word. Hmm. She said, like, you know, if she's going to pay something at a certain time, she gets something paid at a certain time. Like, I follow the principles of what my grandmother actually doing when it comes to business. Hmm. Um, for me, um, after the, the rental property and I went into trading aspect, because I remember when I was a part of IM Academy, um, and during that point in time, and people used to clown me for it, right? But like people never used to really understood like what it really took for what it really took for my aspect. Like in IM Academy, when you had to bring when you brought people and people onboarded with you, you still had to pay like your monthly fee to learn from them in, in terms of creating, hmm. and then you also um, and then you also get paid from them. So like for instance, I was probably I was still owing IM like fifty dollars after I already had like six or seven people. Mm. And I learned from the from the entrepreneurial side of my life. I was like, bro, if I had these six people underneath me, even if they had to pay me per month or pay me whatever, I could have guess be making like everything if they have to pay that one seventy five, I could charge them ninety dollars, whatever like that. Um and when they was to be enrolled with me, I used to actually buy them a Bel Air bottle. So shout out to my boy Conrad at Casey Lookers. He would tell you himself, but Every time I had a new, a new, you know, on board, hmm. I ain't gonna pay for IM, bro. I going straight to the, straight there, buying a Bel Air ball and giving, again everybody a Bel Air ball because it was like our promise and agreement where I was like, bro, if you make your first profit or you have a nice, good profitable week or you finally understand the skill set, this is like a champion toast to yourself because you just unlock some aspect of getting access to money, access to. Um, access to capital um and the creating space is really really developed 
a long a, a, a real real long way because to me i look at trading as um as a vehicle just to get money and then i use that money to go ahead and invest in the other things so that money can make me more money so it's like more of a revolving door so inside the trading aspect and inside the trading world um there are prop firms and all these different things that came about but when i uh but I got really introduced to a lot of people through my mentor, Cubanks, who I was actually taught by. And my biggest monumental shift was when I finally cracked the code for myself. And that's when I turned like $1,000 into like 102000 in two and a half months. And like mm. people was like, bro, what? I was like, yeah, um, that happened. It wasn't on a purpose, like I made that on purpose, like no. It happened because I actually studied the skill set. It worked out, and then all I did was I took that a hundred and two. I went ahead and I bought two vehicles. I went ahead and I um, took some money, put it inside the family office. Went ahead and I did this um, to actually uh, reinvest into my education platform. And then after that, I you know I allocated like another two hundred and fifty thousand. I actually started developing the website and started developing all the softwares and the coding that needs to be done for my education platform. Then after that, I actually went ahead and I spoke to some other potential investors and other potential partners. And we actually see that we can actually put in like about another seven hundred and fifty thousand to open up the broker and then open up a prop firm to get into this business because we know that there's now a huge demand for prop firms. Like prop firms inside the training space is actually popping up like flies on on fruit right now like they just popping up out of nowhere so i wanted to do something a little bit different where i was like i wanted to have an in-house prop firm for all of my students so every time a student come in and they pass the first program they'll automatically be awarded from a prop firm from our in-house proprietary uh firm and they would have been trading with our money uh once you had those uh dollars and put those dollars in so it's like more thinking in my opinion um 10 years ahead of time mm. not that right now the great Denzel. <laughs> yeah, man. We came, we came from a long way, bro. We came For real, from a like, long way, bro. Because he just said a mouthful. And it's like, so if someone asks, like, what do you do for a living? What do you tell them? Bro, I guess tell them I impact people's lives in a positive way. Mm. I don't try to define myself in a, in a certain aspect of, hey, I do this, I do that, I'm this, I'm that. Like, no, I mean... Um, I'm an entrepreneur. I don't want to just box myself. So no, I'm not a trader. Um, yeah, I do trade, but I'm not just a trader. Yeah, I may have some properties, but I'm not a real estate guy. Yeah, I may actually be in the cryptocurrency, but I'm not a crypto. I would say you know a crypto freak. Yeah, I have expertise in cryptos, but like for me, I'm just Denzel Chase Johnson. And if you need help with understanding the true value of yourself and trying to level up then, you know, I here to help you, but I al I always tell people, you have to believe in yourself and you have to put that work in, just like how I put that work in. And with that, any closing words you would like to leave with us today? Oh, yeah, bro. Closing. Actually, yeah, you can drop all your details. We can put the links in the description. Oh, man, bro. Like, if anybody ever want to, you know, link up with me or whatever, um, you can send a DM to at Chase Banks. That's J-A-Y-C-E. B-A-N-K-Z. Be careful for all the scam accounts because they will immediately follow you and then they will immediately DM me and ask you for money. Um, it's been a problem that I've been facing, but it's the only one that actually has the blue tick um, on Instagram. But um, aside from that, guys, like the only closing word I actually want to tell everybody who's actually going to be watching this video or you know listening to this video, like um, 
understand that you're the only person that can make this happen or break this, bro. Like, you're the only person. No one else is stopping you. You may think that it may be your family member. You may think it might be your boyfriend, your girlfriend, or an external factor, but it's actually you. I went through watching my mom died. I also witnessed my dad die, too. My dad suffered a stroke. I had to break in his house. Get him to it. I watched both of my parents who brought me into this world died. Right. And I, you know, literally um, still made a difference for myself. And the difference wasn't just made only for myself, but the difference was also made to actually show you guys who are, who are also watching to the kids that's also younger than me and they're trying to figure out how to find a way. You don't have to be a doctor or a lawyer. You don't have to be a basketball player or a rapper. Do whatever you want to do inside this world. Do whatever you believe is right for yourself and double down on it and keep going at it. Don't give up and stay consistent. I ain't even got nothing more to say to mine and say at all. Like, this was completely powerful. Now, see, I tell you, I ain't need no list. <laughs> I already know how I can go. But thank you again, Jace Banks, for coming, blessing the platform. Yeah, man, I know you've been trying to get me here for quite some time, dog. We just been going. We had, we was trying to do it on Zoom. We yeah, I had it also. Actually, I'm glad that you sort of canceled that day because what if it was a Will Mudisick, another podcast I did that day. It's like, I already get this set up. I'm about to go in on that topic. But, um, but thanks again for coming through. You know, I, I'm happy that we made this happen, especially on a day like this for me. Because, you know, from, because I literally came here from um, helping with a casting call for a TV show all day. So it's like, you know, just more upliftment and, yeah. you know, just the headspace I was in these but last I mean, couple of days. But, it's but like, I mean, like, honestly, though, synergy, bro. honestly, though, I, I, I would like to say, bro, I really love what it is that you're actually doing. And, you know, you're, you're making a shift, dog, because, like, You've been doing the the video space and the production space for quite some time. Because I remember when you met me at Atlantis, too, when I saw you and I was asking you to actually do, like, my videos for my clothing line or so and all that type of stuff. And we were supposed to talk about it because yeah. I needed to make, like, an ad and everything like that. Because it was supposed to be, like, something that's, like, this crazy, crazy, like, yo, uh, cheap wrangler, drone shots on yeah, the base, yeah, all that type yeah, of stuff. Yeah. Like, we were supposed to do, like, all, all those type of things. But, I mean, like, bro, you're, you're doing amazing things, dog, and... Regardless of, you know, whatever the viewers may be like, how many listeners may be like, yo, it's just that one person that need to add that dog in order for them to continue, yeah, bro. I think it's just that one person. But I, I always say like certain after you've been working hard for a long time, certain things start to come together. And when it's your season, nobody can stop nothing, bro. Yeah, bro. And it's like they could try, but it's like things been clicking too long and you didn't put too much sweat and then now you stand in the winter circle. Yeah, that's bro. what I tell you, bro. Forget what anybody else on, bro. Once you on your once, own, once you catch your own motion, focus on your own motion, baby. So like yeah. that's and that's like one thing that I that I'm very very glad that um my parents instilled in me. Um, a lot of people tend to focus on what everybody else got going on. Like for me, I never cared. I Man. never cared about like what you know. Not to be disrespectful, but like. I'm not gonna be looking like, yo, what Jamal got going on? What he doing? This and that, or yeah. like, no, like that don't make no sense to me. I don't, I don't think it make you um, depressed, dog. Like, you not, gotta focus not, on you. It, it's not even a matter of making yeah. depressed. I feel this is a matter of actually just wasting time. That too, because like you see, because yeah. like, because like, for instance, right, you will see a lot of people. Oh, you hear what, 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 what? You know, Justin doing? Yeah, what Denzel doing? Yeah. Like, like, bro, 
I ain't talking what about you, nobody else. Like, what, what you what you got going on? Why why? Like, I ain't gonna lie. I would talk about someone else just to inspire someone to do some or use them as an yeah. example. And yeah. what I'm no, doing. but like you have some know, people. You have some people who literally would sit there all day on the computer and try and figure out what this person got going on. And it's like dog. Why, if you just was to focus and stay in your own lane, and like the reason why I was able to see where I'm at to see the success that I have and to meet the people that I'm meeting is because I do not try to look for what everybody else is doing. I stay focused on myself, I stay in my own lane. And if you guys happen to be in front of my face while I driving or something like that, or while I walking, then I will talk to you because you blocking, you may be blocking my, blocking my you know, blocking yeah. my vision. But like, other than that, I'm not looking left and I'm not looking right to say, oh, well, hey, because, you know, my mentor doing this, maybe I need to start doing that. Or because this person doing this, maybe I need to start doing that. Now, of course, I will have my advisors. I have other people out there telling me what the chatter is around the world and be like, yo, we need to start getting ready for this to pivot this way. You need to start getting like that to pivot that, that way. But I ain't actively going out there to see what, you got going on. Like, that don't make no sense to me. Like, I stay to myself. And that's the most peaceful thing you can actually do for yourself. The more you stay to yourself and you stay double down and focus, the easier, the faster success will come to you. Because now you literally just looking back at yourself and looking at and talking to yourself and telling yourself, like, bro, you slack off on that. Let me get back on this. I fuck up on that. Let me get back on that. I ain't got nothing more to say. Thank you for watching another episode <laughs> of Everything Cool. This episode, I think, 93 or 94? I, yeah, I think it's 94. We, but we six episodes away from 100. Watch what I can do when, I, when we hit that one. One hundred. One. Yeah. I ain't straight. A hundo, bro. A hundo. A hundo. <laughs> but thanks again to Denzel Jace Johnson for coming through. We, I really appreciate it. And... No, for you, bro. I had to make, I had to make that exclusive. But you might start the wave with this, bro. Yeah. Make sure, make sure, make sure. You may have to probably put on a YouTube. No, I already used to know the clips like a clip, bro. You jump yeah. some gems. You guys gotta go ahead and just skip the title, bro. You know, the, for the full, for the full episode. Give me the title right now. The title, the, the title. Uh, the behemoth that turned a thousand to hundred thousand in two months. Mm. Boom. <laughs> Yo, that could be. That's the title. That's it. We can see y'all later.